CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Eroding beaches on Chicago's lakefront, warmer winters in the upper Midwest, microplastics in our water. What can any one person do? Our best hope for saving the planet and ourselves is through the power of we. Get to the ninth annual One Earth Film Festival, the Midwest's premier environmental film festival. It's March 6th through the 15th. March 6th through the 15th. When? March 6th through the 15th. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say the that. The 14th? No. Uh-uh. Pay attention. Take a piece of paper out and a pencil and okay. write it down. March 6th through the 15th. Okay? 15th. And there's 26 films, 48 events, and four counties. What is that again, D? 26. Films. 48. Events. Four. Counties. You can engage with filmmakers and experts. Venues include Tesla Gold Coast, Loyola University, Plant Chicago, Old St. Patrick's Church, Chicago Cultural Center, Lake Theater and Oak Park, and much more. Go to OneEarthFilmFest.org. What is that, D? OneEarthFilmFest.org. One more time. OneEarthFilmFest.org. <laughs> God, are you good. That's correct. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. On Election Eve in New Hampshire, I went to a Biden event. It was in Manchester, and I thought, well, I really am here to witness the end. It was in a small church, in a small gym, with a small turnout. And I thought, oh, how sad to wrap up a career like this. And I thought... That's the obit. I, I thought that would be the end. And of course, he did not do well in New Hampshire. What you just heard there was the latest Fran Spielman podcast. This week's guest on the Fran Spielman Show is Washington reporter Lynn Sweet. She was on the program with Fran talking all things the uh, POTUS election, the Biden barn burner that's been going on the last few weeks, talking about that as well, the future of Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, the election with the coronavirus going on, so many things they talked about. Go check out this week's Fran Spielman show at the Chicago Sun-Times website or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, March 13th is moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions once again for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, March 13th, is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Friday, March 13th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we welcome State Rep candidate Nydia Carranza, and it's the return of the director of the Black Harvest Film Festival, the one, the only Sergio Mims. And now your host. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Nidia Carranza in the studio. Nidia Carranza in the studio. She's running for state rep in the third state rep district. We talked about this district quite a bit on our show. Louis Arroyo uh, used to be the representative. I say used to be. Uh, he stepped down. He got in trouble. Mm -mm -mm. 
got in trouble. I had to step down. Oh, some kind of bribery scandal, huh, D? Uh, anyway, so uh, Nitty Carranza is in the studio. Sergio Mims will be here. Uh, he's already arrived. And Billy can't wait to talk. Uh, Sergio's going to make his great uh, prediction, D, as to who Joey B is going to predict pick as his vice presidential candidate the assumption of course being that joe biden will be victorious and defeat bernie sanders and i'm under a lot of pressure d on this front uh everybody knows i'm i support bernie i'll make it secret i welcome joe biden people in the studio that he just want you to know that i like welcome all democrats into this studio got my issues with republicans i'm working trying to work through it uh and uh but i you know, I, I hope Bernie stays in a race. I get a lot of pressure from my friends of the Joey Biden persuasion. Drop out, Bernie, drop out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes had an editorial the other day. Today, I think it was. Drop out, Bernie, for the good of the party. But no, I think for the good of the party, Bernie should stay in and uh, express his views, articulate his worldview. Push Joey B to the left. Come on, Bernie. So that's how I see it. Uh, but uh, Sergio has already decided Joey B is going to win. you have any updates for me, young man, before I turn it over to Nidia? Yeah, I do. I would say I have more audio of last night's uh, forum, the Cook County State's Attorney. All the clips I got are mostly about Smolettgate here, so we're just going to move on here and remind everybody to check out this week's column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Ben, tell everybody what you wrote about this week. Kim, wasn't Kim Foxgate the thing I wrote about? <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> oh, Why are you okay. asking me what your column is? <laughs> you think I should know, Nidia? Yeah, I wrote about uh, Nidia in that chair actually next to you where you're sitting right now. Kim Fox was on the show last Thursday. Kim Fox, Cook County State's attorney. And uh, we were talking about Smollettgate, and I said, you know, most lefties think it's a... Uh, exaggerated it's not as important as everybody says it is even though i'm utterly obsessed with it i have to make that confession mm-hmm. idiot and she said uh it was uh bullshit she used that word literally that word oh dennis looked at me you're not supposed to swear uh you're allowed to swear it's a podcast but anyway so uh, i told her no big deal well, next thing i know uh oh boy conway had a commercial out where he was playing her saying that from the show yeah did i get any royalties conway well that carlisle money you got, <laughs> did benny get anything out of that i don't think so how about denny did he get <laughs> anything <laughs> denny no and benny didn't get anything did he but what i did get was an email from the campaign team that came up with that cockamamie commercial trash talking me they did they like how'd you like your cameo like trapping these guys everybody's like donald trump now you know what i'm wow. saying i know man anyway so i just think it's i do believe as obsessed as i am with smollett gate that it's completely overplayed and i say this as a person uh who talks about it all the time thinks about it all the time Nidia. uh but then you know like i'm like i was saying with romana i'm into ben affleck's romance so it's to me it's very similar like celebrity obsessions you get what i'm saying so that's how i view anyway so um that's the uh story all right nitty carranza well i anyway the column i wrote has to deal with uh go check it out chicagoreader.com all right very good nitty carranza welcome to the show Thanks for having me here. Thanks for still being open yes. throughout this all. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're still open and we're still open for business, still doing our show in this little uh, little, little studio we have here in the back by the bathrooms. All right, Nidia, uh, you're running for uh, state rep in the third district. Let's just start by telling folks, folks a little bit, where is the third district so they can just sort of put it in their mind's eye geographically? Yes, it's uh, Chicago's northwest side. A small portion of the third district is Logan Square by Fullerton and Pulaski, and it runs um, all the way west, um, past United Mosa, including Belmont Cragen, um, a little bit parts of Galewood, um, Mount Clare. We have a small portion of Elmwood Park and Dunning, too. All right. And is this uh, an area that you're familiar with? Have you? Did, is this where you grew up? Yes, I grew up in Chicago's northwest side. Talk I, about that. I went to Chicago Public Schools, um, Scammon Elementary and Lane Tech. And I'm also a product of uh, Chicago's community colleges, Wright College and uh, State University, Northeastern Illinois University. Yeah, so you went to Wright, then you went to Northeastern after going to Lane Tech, proud graduate of Lane Tech, mm-hmm. class of 2007, I want to say. Correct. So you're very young, uh, at least to me anyway. And uh, you then, what? what's your profession? Became a teacher. Talk about that. Um, I first got my bachelor's in social work, um, and then I became a teacher because I felt like I could make a greater impact in a classroom in front of 30 students versus one-on-one counseling. And that's what I'm doing now, and that's what I love to do. Um, And since the beginning, uh, first year in teaching, I saw a lot of injustices in our school system. I started working in the South Side, 
and uh, first year pre-K full day classroom, we weren't allowed to have nap time. And I had three year olds that were tired. And from what I learned in classes is what was developmentally appropriate is to make sure they rest during the day. So their brain could develop, their neurons, and we were told we couldn't do that. Wait, time out. Let's just, let's concentrate on this for a moment. So you're uh, a rookie teacher just out of Northeastern with your degree. You're t and is this, this is a Chicago public school? Yes. That you were teaching at? Yes. And it's preschool, am I correct with this? Yes, full day. Full day preschool, mm -hmm. which, okay, we have that. Let's just put that issue aside, uh, the notion of full day preschool. Um, and they, were t they instructed you they couldn't take naps. Did I hear you correct on that? Yes, and I thought it was just um, a school, uh, a school policy. But I, getting um, involved with the union in their early childhood committee, I found out it was a CPS policy. It was uh, citywide. And what was the rationale for it? Um, there was policymakers that weren't teachers that were mm -hmm, that were telling us what to do, not really looking at the research and what was developmentally appropriate. Their rationale was to push students to be instructional at all time. Um, <laughs> Eat your vegetables. It's thirty years old. I gotta. Uh, so, in other words, uh, the, the notion is is that they should all be like focused, uh, reading, learning to read at a very early age, like little robots, just getting sent out to the world. Even though probably the people who are making those recommendations, including the mayor who appointed those people were not taught the same way. Exactly. Uh, so did you rebel against this? Yes, um, by joining the union, the Early Childhood Committee, um, we organized to make sure we brought it back to our classroom. And it, it's, it was a battle that um, barely made it through in our contract this past year um, that we were allowed to have nap time in full day pre-K and we had cots. At that time, we didn't have cots. And I had students resting on the carpet, carpet that was um, also needed cleaning deep cleaning, but also knowing as somebody that works with the families that knowing their stories is very important because you get to hear that, you know, we have a mom that works the third shift and telling me that her daughter stayed up to make sure she got home safe and therefore the daughter didn't sleep enough. So she's going to be tired. And it's very important to bring those stories to the table. And that's a big part of the reason why I'm running too in the third district because um, for a long time we were underrepresented. Um, 10 years as having uh, Arroyo as a representative, I heard many stories from families. Families that try to meet with him about issues, issues in the community, issues in special education, business owners being told to pay um, his consulting firm money. and. Um, this was frustrating because he should be uh, fighting for the issues that matter to families in the third district, but instead he was um, busy trying to make a silence. And, and when we did have parents actually meet with him, he would turn on the TV instead of actually engage um, in regards to the issues at hand. And I think it all came full circle during the strike because that was the time he was charged for bribery. And I was already fighting this system, this um, system that tells us that teachers and people in the community don't have a say-so in the, the policies that affect us in communities, like finding for those resources. All right, now I'm gonna uh, get back to Rui Arroyo in the third uh, district and, and the reason you ran, but I just wanna go back to something you said, just to clarify. So you, uh, did, did the city agree that uh, preschool kids could take a nap? Did they finally agree to that in the last negotiations or are they still insisting that there should be no nap time no we we finally got that in the contract in 20 at the end of 2019 okay the, in the strike that just went down in october and w did they resist it were they resisting that at the bargaining table uh putting nap time into the contract were they continuing to insist that uh, thir three-year-olds should not get a nap um that's why it took as long as it took 11 day strike um they were resisting a lot of resources we were fighting for a lot of demands that um put those families and the students first that is really bizarre what, of all the things i guess if you just if you're in a negotiation you're just going to say no to everything uh in the hopes that you can 
get a, a concession. So maybe they figured, all right, we'll say no to, we'll, we'll continue the policy of making uh, three-year-olds go without a nap in the hope that the teachers will swap that for lower pay. Did you follow what I just said on that one? <laughs> that may be what, what their governing philosophy is, yeah. a, as opposed to saying, you know, I think it's a good idea to allow three-year-olds to have nap time. And so not make, make, let's not make that part of the collective bargaining process, but um, whatever. Maybe I'm just too idealistic. All right. So uh, you're a school teacher. You're, we're on the North, you're back in the North side now, or are you still on the South side? No, I work in the district where I'm running. I work at Marvin Cameras. Um, it's by Belmont and Central, and I uh, work and live in Belmont Cragen. And uh, what brought me to the North side is part of the system of injustice that we're fighting because um, we... Um, in the South Side, I was um, always trying to push for resources and special education that my students needed. Um, and I was, um, for example, I had students that came with a doctor's orders to get speech services. And I was told, oh, they're three-year-olds, wait another year. And it was being pushed off. And I sometimes was sitting there learning how to be a speech pathologist, applying those into my classroom and um, feeling quite honestly burnt out by the whole system. And I founded um, this program that I'm currently doing in the Northside uh, Blended Classroom, where we have a co-teacher, uh, special education, and a general education t teacher working together to provide the resources the students need that come in with those recommendations by doctors and diagnosis. And so what prompted you to run for office? A lot of things. Um, uh, standing up for injustices, um, which is something I did early on, um, being a daughter of immigrants from Puebla, Mexico, who I saw them constantly stand up against a system that told them that they didn't belong. And I was the first one out of my family to be born here, um, citizen here, and saw how much that made a difference in our lives, where they were li living in fear where um, my older brothers didn't continue their education in the sense that they felt that, you know, even if we do get a degree, where could we get a job, you know? And um, how much a piece of paper determines your life and where you're born. And um, fighting against that early on, I'm also someone who had to deal with the trauma of family separation due to deportation. My stepdad was deported when my little brother was three. And seeing uh, how he had to deal with separation anxiety and how that affected him and our family, um, it's, it's why I continue to fight. And look, the third district is the second largest, um, it's the second district with the largest number of undocumented immigrants. And for a long time, we haven't been talking to that, uh, talking about that in Springfield from the representative, even the elected officials there now, they're not making that a priority. And, we, and that shows because in the last census count, we were undercounted. We were one of the districts that was mostly undercounted. And I think it also, as somebody who lives and uh, works there, we saw that play out after Trump was elected. The school down my street, uh, Hanson Park, had the lowest uh, attendance rate in the history of the school after Trump was elected. And of course, if you don't have uh, the resources in the community telling you, no, like, come to school, it's going to be safe, you're going to be fine, you will stay home if you're, you're fearing deportation. And um, yeah, and I've always been a person to put um, my work into action. So I organized with other teachers to bring Know Your Rights canvases in the community. And we were flyering the community and talking to neighbors to make sure they know their rights in case ICE does come to their door. And yeah, that's one big reason why I'm running. Also, the fact that we're nationally, we're in the system that tells us teachers that we have, we don't have the experience or um, the pull to determine policy in our classrooms or our communities um, where they see. And that's essentially what I'm up against, somebody that tells um, the community that I'm, I'm inexperienced. Um, and that's you see that play out nationally with teachers. Well, one thing we've seen uh, since Karen Lewis took over the Chicago Teachers Union is that uh, uh, teachers are becoming much more of a force politically in the city of Chicago. This is something I hadn't seen 
the 20 years that I've been in this city before Karen Lewis took uh, uh, charge of the Chicago Teachers Union, uh, several teachers ran in the last uh, go around. I can't remember offhand. Uh, other than Sue Garza, who got elected, she was a school counselor from the southeast side of Chicago. She's now the older woman of the 10th Ward. Um, so do you think you're part of a larger movement of teachers becoming more politically, what, uh, politically uh, preemptive, if you will, or pretty politically active? Do you think you're part of a larger movement of, of, of teachers throughout the country? Yes, <clears throat> definitely. I think I'm part of a larger movement where uh, working class people are standing up against the system that tells us we don't belong. Mm. Um, I'm someone who grew up poor. I'm someone who um, has experienced many of the issues that I hear of knocking on doors um, with the community members. And that experience alone is what makes me experience to be in the table to make these policies. Um, especially someone who works in the community, who deals, uh, who talks to the families and hears these issues day in and day out. And um, yeah, I, I definitely am part of a larger movement um, of teachers, of working class individuals getting involved and standing up against this bigger system that's corrupt. The system is corrupt. Uh, you're talking about the Chicago public school system or just the political system in general? The political system in general, not only in the city and the state, but nationally. Well, we'll talk about on the local level. Again, the representative of your district, uh, Louis Arroyo, had to step down because he was indicted on charges having to do with bribery. Uh, his, he then had a, uh, had a say in naming his replacement, who is currently technically uh, the incumbent by virtue of the fact that the ward committeeman uh, voted uh, to approve her to that seat. That would be Eva Dina Delgado, uh, who is an, was an executive with People's Gas. Uh, so she... Uh, <laughs> Only in Chicago, uh, Louis Arroyo got a, a hand in picking his successor, even though he was stepping down because uh, he had been charged in this bribery scandal. Uh, and at the moment, I believe she has the support, correct me if I'm wrong, of uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And uh, so, interesting little, um, what is it, interesting little uh, tag team there, Lori Lightfoot and Louis Arroyo, you're up against like two f powerful forces in the city of Chicago. Talk about that. Yes, um, my focus is the community. Not um, I, I'm a person who's been knocking on doors way before I decided to run because we were canvassing as teachers during the strike to let them know, to let the community know what we were fighting for. And that's nurses, social workers, counselors in our schools every day. Um, and talking to the community, the community is not really focused on who endorsed who but they're looking to um, elect somebody that's actually running on the issues they care about. And that's what my focus is. Um, I know the mayor has endorsed my opponent. And honestly, I was surprised as someone, um, I saw the mayor, how she ran her campaign as a progressive, making sure we're accountable to the people. I would I, I question why she chose to uh, endorse my opponent, who was a handpicked by the previous state rep who was charged for bribery. And yeah, we would. Well, my theory is, which you're free to disagree with vehemently, is that uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has such disdain for the Chicago Teachers Union and Stacey Davis Gates that she saw oh, this lady, uh, Nydia, is with the Chicago Teachers Union. She's like a mini Stacey Davis Gates. And this other woman is not. I'm going with the other woman. That's my theory. What do you think of my theory? Um, um, I, it could be it. Um, look, I'm a teacher and she's a corporate lobbyist who has political ties, who was a, not only appointed to this seat, but before that she was appointed by Rahm Emanuel to the police board. And um, maybe they're close friends, who knows? All right, Sergio Mims has entered the room. Sergio Mims has entered the room as my last guest. He's going to uh, reveal uh, who Joe Biden's running mate will be. I have not even conceded that Joe Biden oh. will win. The, the, I know, Nidia's like, hey, come on, it's not over yet. Uh, on, so on, be, before, uh, before we let you go out of the room, talk about the national race. How do you see your candidacy fitting in? Are you, a, uh, are you one of those candidates who uh, is not endorsing anyone just because you got your own race to worry about, or uh, do you have a candidate you favor? Yes, um, we endorsed Bernie Sanders. Um, he's a big reason why I got involved in politics um, as well. Back in 2015, I phone banked for him. I saw um, 
again, he ran on the issues that um, matter to working families. And that's a big part of this campaign, too, making sure um, we have health care, making sure education is being uh, resourced, making sure uh, immigrant families are safe to live here, making sure we're anti-corruption, not funded by corporations. And that's a big part of my platform, too. I have endorsed Bernie um, Sanders, and I, um, yeah, okay, so for him to win. There was an editorial in the Sun-Times today uh, that essentially said, Bernie, get out of the race. You're messing things up for Joey B. Just leave right now. Just depart the race. Stop running. Uh, what's your opinion about that? I heard you, um, Ben, I think uh, earlier what you mentioned that Bernie needs to keep pushing. He needs to keep pushing um, for the issues that, that represent families and what we go through as the majority in this nation. And that's what I stand with. All right, very good. Nidia Carranza, tell folks where they can get a hold of you, read more about you, uh, website, whatever. Yes, website is nidiacarranza.org, N-I-D-I-A-C-A-R-R-A-N-Z-A.org. You could check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's uh, The handles are Nidia, number four, state rep. Very good. Thank you very much, Nitty. We got Sergio Mims on deck. We'll bring him on when we return. Thanks. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, D. Yeah? Did I tell you that the Ben Jarofsky Show is sponsored by Rattleback Records? No. Well, it is. Rattleback Records at 5405 North Clark Street is Andersonville's full-service record store. Hey, D. Did I tell you it was voted one of Chicago's best record stores in the 2019 Chicago Reader Poll? No. Well, it was. Wow. Rattleback Records, 5405 North Clark Street. Used and new LPs and 45s. They got CDs, DVDs, books, gifts, and much more. For more information, contact them at rattlebackrecords.com. That's R-A-T-T-L-E-B-A-C-K records.com. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater. Open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Ben, stop touching your face. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. I got the sanitizer on. Sergio Mims in the studio with me. Blark. You know, when I came in, I wanted to lick the table and the microphones right. and everything. Okay, like. that's not even funny, Rudy Gobert. Uh, do you got an update before we bring Sergio on? Uh, well, I'm uh, waiting. Uh, I would say anxiously awaiting, but not really. Uh, Donald Trump is going to be speaking here uh, in a few minutes. Uh, it says here, uh, Trump speaks at White House about pandemic. We're getting live updates, so I'm trying to pull them up as we go along here. So I may be interrupting you fellas as we're talking. All right. Yeah, he's fair. going to, from I understand, he's going to declare a national emergency. I would have, yeah, that's that's nice of him. That performance, the speech he gave the other day, Sergio, was perhaps the worst speech I've ever seen a president deliver uh, in the in the face of a national emergency. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, believe me, I it, saw it. It was like a robot. And no, it was worse than that. It was worse than a robot? It was worse than that. It was a robot that was malfunctioning. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. By and the way, on top of that, yeah. he was sniffling and he couldn't breathe. And I said, I think he's got it. By the way, you know the president of Brazil yes. has now been... Tested positive. The president of Brazil? Are you sure the president or a high-ranking medical? No, officer? president. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and he was with Trump last weekend. Yeah. Everybody's saying, why doesn't Trump get tested? Which he won't because he's a coward. Well, no, time out. He has been tested. 
I, wait, time out. I do not know that. Let me back up. But, this is a favorite sure. topic here. Robert Peters, your state senator sitting in that chair. We had this conversation just the other day. I believe Donald Trump has been tested. Uh-huh. He has, as the power, most powerful man in the country, has access to the test. But where, where he's really hurting us is he won't admit he got tested and because he wants to pretend as though this is not a serious threat. And so today he's going to give this speech about it's a national emergency. And at the same time, he's been undercutting the message because he doesn't want to admit it's a national emergency because he wants to try to say it was some kind of plot or hoax. Uh, devised by his political opponents to bring down his presidency. So he's just a, a bundle of mixed messages that he's uh, emitting at this very crucial time. And so one of which is to say, I have not, like, I'm, I'm going to continue to shake hands. I want to have rallies. I'm not going to be tested. See, I, don't, I don't think he's been tested. I, I don't. So you actually sure. believe he has the courage of his convictions? I don't know. I think he's scared. Oh. I think he's a coward. In other words, he doesn't want to, he wants to pretend as though he won't have coronavirus if he knows he has it. Right. Uh, now, by the way, let, let me get a couple of things off this chest. I'm not, I am not saying this is not a serious situation. Okay. Right. But the whole panic and fear mongering bothers me a lot. There was a report in the New York Times today or yesterday that says scientists predict that up to 1.7 million people in the United States might die. And I go like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That would mean that this situation is worse than the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918. It would be worse than that. And I was like, wait a minute, we're getting out of hand. So far, how many people have passed away? Um, Something like 50 people. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know that over a hundred people die every day in car accidents. Yes. Uh, By I the way, we go. you yeah. know that still <laughs> are twenty to thirty cases of bubonic plague in the United States every year. Yeah, your point. My point is that in two, ten years ago, we had the swine flu. Over a million people died. Mm-hmm. Twelve and a half, twelve and a half thousand people. Of that number, two and a half thousand were Americans. Mm-hmm. Okay, how come I didn't hear anything about that? Any yeah, panic but, about that? Well, what I'm seeing happening in northern Italy, uh, what I we, we didn't get a great view of what happened in China because obviously it's a communist country, so they limit the access of information that people have. But what reports we have, which reminds me of what happened in University of Chicago yesterday. But when that was what? Well, they have announced that um, the spring quarter, which mm-hmm. starts in two weeks, essentially has been canceled. Uh, students are, re- they're having, they're asking that students um, uh, evacuate the campus, those who can, to leave the campus. Classes will be held online. Uh, those who can't leave will have to be more or less confined to their dorms. This is the entire spring quarter, which means from the first week of April to mid-June of the graduation which means they won't have a graduation mm-hmm. ceremony anyway. And uh, one of the main reasons for that is that there are a lot of Asian students at the University of Chicago. I should know, I'm five blocks down the street. A high Park resident his whole right. life, very proud of that fact. Um, a lot of Chinese students mm-hmm. at the University of Chicago, a lot of them. And almost all of them are Chinese nationals. And what I suspect happened is that Tuesday, Tuesday, the university said they had no problem. They, they, they weren't considering closing the schools, right? Wednesday night, after Trump made his speech, they decided to close the spring quarter. I think the lawyers got to them, without a question. The lawyers got to the University of Chicago, uh, the, uh, the university lawyers, and told them, look, we, gotta ha- we have a lot of Asian students here, Chinese students at this school. You know, their home is in China. Mm. Uh, if a student gets sick, the parents are going to come after us and sue us for every dime we've got. And University of Chicago has a uh, endowment of billions. I don't think it's rich as Harvard, mm. but it's billions. And one could escalate to more lawsuits. So there you go. Uh, but let me get back to my point. Yeah. My point. Mm-hmm. My point is that the fear 
mongering bothered me. We're all going to die. <laughs> oh my God, we're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> we're all going to die. Yeah. And okay, just calm down, right? Calm down, right? And talk about a personal point, right? Because everybody, I'm self-quarantined. I'm going to, like everybody's making a huge sacrifice. They're taking a two-week vacation. I'm going to quarantine myself. Okay, four years ago, this month, I went through the worst health crisis of my life. Okay, I'm not going to go into details about it. But basically, um, due to a, um, um, a, an, an unknown heret, uh, heret, you know, condition I inherited, mm -hmm. okay, I went through about four operations on my leg. Mm -hmm. I was in a hospital for two months. I was in a wheelchair for seven months. I had to learn how to walk again. And um, only recently have I been walking without a cane. And it's taken me four years to get back to the point. I'll never really walk normally again. But where I am from where I was four years ago, you know, doctors told me a year late after the whole thing. They said, we didn't think you were able to walk again. We didn't think you were able to do it. So I've been through hell and back, mm -hmm. right? So when people are acting hysterical or when people are self-quarantined, and I said, look, nobody can predict what's going to happen. I said 100 people die in car accidents every day. You may think it's not going to happen to me. I'm a good driver. Well, not the drunk driver who comes in and rams mm -hmm. into you and kills you, right? Mm -hmm. you, you risk your life the moment you step outside your house every day. You can get any kind. I never thought I had this condition. Never in a million. And it's a rare one. Very, very few people have it. I happen to have it. And it caused me all kinds of trouble. So what I am saying is that let's step back here. Right. I, I, I see the, the, the overall point you're making. Uh, and I'll say this to that. We discussed this yesterday in uh, Rick Morrissey, who's a columnist for the Sun-Times Sports Columnist, expressed some of the same uh, opinions that you were expressing. And I, 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 we were just going to have to agree to disagree in this one. I think caution uh, in the face of this virus is, uh, is necessary. You should have caution all the time. But, but I believe in this particular instance um, th that the fears are warranted. And you know what? I hope when all is said and done, that it looks as like we overreacted. I mean, I would hope that the, the worst fears that people have as to what may happen uh, because of the virus uh, don't occur. I hope that, okay. And that we say, well, later we say, well, I mean, there's two parts of this. If you say, oh, we overreacted. And then the next time it's like chicken, you know, the sky is falling. But I do believe in this particular case, especially when I look at what's going on in Italy and what happened in China, that it's imperative that we take action right now to protect ourselves from this kind of onslaught. Yeah, but see, but uh, for example... And I'll uh, give you another example, closer to home. Um, one that... Wait, time out. Did, did you have an upbreaking... Oh, we got Trump. He's speaking right now. All right. You want to listen to it? Uh, sure. Let's hear what Donnie has say to say. a few words, wherever you may be. Good oh, he's course. grabbing some other fella to talk. When we got the call yesterday from the White House, we were eager to do our part to help serve the country. And given what we're facing, that's certainly important to do. We should all be doing that. So we've been asked to make portions of our parking lot available in select locations in the beginning and scaling over time as supply increases so that people can experience the drive-through experience that the president described. We'll stay involved and do everything we can from a supply chain point of view to be of assistance. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it very much. I'll just stay right over here. And Richard, if you could come up, please, Richard. All right, he's getting people please. over there. When Trump starts Walgreens. to speak more, I'll... Yep. Yeah, right, very good. Uh, but anyway, the point I was going to make was that uh, 1995, when we had that terrible heat wave, and oh, yeah. so many people died, and... There's this, a great documentary about that. Cooked. There, yes, and uh, it's based on a, a, a book. I forget the name of the book, but... Uh, I think the book is called Cooked. Yeah, Kleinberg. Anyway, right. so the, the point is, is that w as a city... Uh, we looked the other way, and I don't know how many hundreds of people. That was minuscule as to what the the worst predictions from this are, and I just think we should have learned from that. And I did appreciate the fact when I was listening to uh, was J.B. Pritzker talking uh, about the, the the threat we have, and he was saying to 
to it's almost he was addressing the issues that you're raising he said there's some people who are strong and probably uh will not be affected by this mm -hmm. but we as a society we should have to be looking for people who are the most vulnerable and i thought that was a very appropriate message we to should put be all there. the time well, it doesn't have to be an incident like this I, yeah okay and the other thing I, is I agree that, with how, on that point how do we know <laughs> well, that this has been around for you know the numbers because people are being tested. Not the United States, but people are being <laughs> tested, right? Well, apparently okay. Trump's got now announcing that we're finally going to have some tests in the United States. Oh uh, well, thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, but so how do how do we know that this has not been around for the last ten years? Hmm. How do you know now? All of a sudden, it's an issue. All right. Look, well, it's it's. I, like I said before, I am not saying this is not a serious situation. Mm -hmm. I am not saying that people should not be concerned. Of course they should. But the whole panic, fear mongering, cable news 24 hours a day now, MSNBC. I, it was it was about the, elec the election. Does anybody remember Bernie Sanders? I mean, everything has been forgotten. All right, let's, that's a perfect transitory point because this is really, really what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Sergio has been telling me for a long time he's going to predict who Joe Biden's uh, running mate would be, that Joe Biden's going to make an announcement, and I... Well, I don't say he's going to make an announcement, but I can say uh, he's going to be. Predict it. All right. I, I, again, repeat what I've been saying all day. I, we have an election on Tuesday. Bernie is on the ballot. I, I plan personally to vote for Bernie Sanders, and I hope Bernie Sanders continues in the race to push uh, Joe Biden to the left. That's my personal preference, even though I basically agree with you uh, and Monroe and everybody else who comes to this studio that Joe Biden will be the nominee. Yeah, the, right. the, the path to victory is there for Joe Biden, largely because uh, he has won the lion's share of the black here's, vote, here's which the, you predicted, by the way, a year ago. But he, no, here's the thing about Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. He's the leader of a movement, not a coalition. Movements have a ceiling. And he hit his ceiling. In order to win, like Obama, or as Biden is evidently doing, you need a coalition of people. Mm -hmm. Now, Trump also has a movement, and he lucked out by actually getting elected because he ran against the worst candidate yeah. that the Democrats could have come up with. And I said this before, and I've said this again. 2016, Bernie could have beat him. Bernie could have beat him. And I, I made you did say that. Run. You've been saying that for I've been saying two a long years. Time. Yeah. Biden would have cleaned his clock in 2016. Not Hillary Clinton. She had... Never mind. We're not getting that. Yeah, anymore. let's not relitigate. Okay, Hillary. we're not going to relitigate that. Okay, so this is my prediction: Biden's vice presidential candidate. Okay. <laughs> be be ready. Okay, get get ready to have get blown out of your seat. All okay, right. Here we go. Suspense. I say sarcastically. <laughs> I predict his vice presidential candidate will be gov Michigan Governor Gretchen Wilner. What? <laughs> Why do you say that? Because she fits all the boxes, right? right. Wow, that's not where I thought you were going to be going. I thought you were going to say Kamala. No, God, uh, no, not Kamala. Okay. He wants to get the black vote, right? Yeah. Kamala will make him make sure he'll lose it. Oh. Uh, Sergio's always been a big fan of Kamala right. Harris. He's been making fun of her since last summer. All right, uh, so why do you say Governor Wilmer? Okay, moderate woman, um, Midwestern, Midwesterner, Midwestern state. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has been really huge supporter of Biden since the very beginning. She made a comment two weeks ago that this road to the Oval Office goes through Michigan. Mm -hmm. And she has no baggage, from what I can see. She's not an ex-prosecutor like Kamala Harris. She's experienced mm -hmm. governor of Michigan. Um who was the previous governor of Michigan? Um, it was a... Uh, uh, Gilsom? I'm blanking on her. I could see your name. Jennifer... Uh, um, Grissom. Gris. Nah. Frank, where are you when we need you? Oh. Uh, I'm pulling it up now. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember. I see her face right I see first, her face, too. Yeah. It starts uh, with a G. Uh, yeah, last name starts with the first name Jennifer, but go ahead. Right. Uh, Granholm? Is that it? Granholm? Something like that. Oh, come on. Give me the ball. If, if <laughs> yeah. she... Okay. Five minutes, but... <laughs> okay. 
Go ahead, Sergio. But that's my prediction. It, yeah. Okay, it's not exciting. Yeah, it's not exciting at all. But, I was really no, hoping no. it was going to be exciting. No, no, but it's safe. See, that's the problem with the Dems, Sergio, the safe thing. Like, well, I guess in the face of... Look, it's not going to be Kama, and it's not going to be Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams needs to win a race, okay? Yeah, but... She needs to win a race. Uh, which, listen... Here, here's here's my issue. It's so safe. Uh, now, it's true. It's a woman as opposed to uh, Hillary Clinton took Tim Kaine. I guess she, she couldn't have taken a woman either. But it's it just oh, no, strikes so, me of the same no, no, no. But Hillary the Clinton, same cloth. Hillary Clinton had a problem where that she had to pick somebody who was even less exciting than she was. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want right? to be over. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of the story that Delmarie Cobb uh, told about Mike Dukakis in 1988. We were talking about Jesse Jackson campaign. Delmarie worked for Jesse Jackson in the 88 campaign. Mm -hmm. And Jesse's supporters really wanted Jesse to be the vice presidential choice for Mike Dukakis. Could you imagine if Dukakis had picked Jesse Jackson, how overshadowed he would have been uh, by Jesse Jackson's... I mean, everybody... Yeah, would've... Dukakis would have probably lost 49 states. <laughs> well, uh, Delmarie disagrees with you on that point. She thinks uh, they would have won with Jesse Jackson. I don't know. That's that's relitigating something from forty years, ago, thirty years ago. Uh, I I I'm listen. Right now, the world looks so different, differently politically than it did a week ago because of the coronavirus, because of Donald Trump's right. mishandling of it. The markets of tanking. But that's the thing. Things change in politics. Things change overnight. Mm -hmm. Hey, three weeks ago, Biden was dead. Three weeks ago, he was dead in the water. Mm. Everybody did, everybody was losing their mind because it looked like Bernie Sanders was going to be the Democratic candidate. No, actually, I I thought that the the centrist would coalesce behind Michael Bloomberg and because he had all the money. And then I realized uh, he was one it was too much baggage for him to sell, even to centrist Democrats. Right. Uh, and two, the black vote. And let's just talk about that. You called it a year ago. The black vote saved Joe Biden. And we had, I don't want to give away too much of our interview yesterday. We had a, we took the deep dive with the T. Buchanan uh, and David Seaton yesterday. And we're going to uh, air it this weekend. Uh, we're talking about this in particular we, they were in agreement. It was that connection to Obama. Once again, you said that Michelle Obama would be the only black candidate that black people would support in this election. That, says that. Yes. And so that Obama connection was the absolute key. I think that's unavoidable right now. That's part of it. It's a large part of it, but that's not the only reason. In terms of the black vote? Yeah. The only reason is that, and I've said this a thousand times on your show before, black voters are like any other voters. They're like any other voters. We got to go with a winner. Who's the person who's most like? There was a brief flirtation with Bloomberg, but it would all is said and done. They look at these candidates, and I can't. I can't speak for forty million black people. Okay? <laughs> it's a lot of people to speak for. Sergio. I cannot do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's make that clear. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but basically, people look at a candidate saying, okay, he's the guy. He's not perfect, Bernie Biden. Believe me, he's not perfect, right? But of, the main thing is to get Trump out of office. That is the main thing. It, Bernie, it's not Bernie's time now. It's not. Yeah. Well, I'm still going to vote for him on Tuesday just to send a message. All right. Sergio Mims in the studio. He is the co-founder of the uh, Black Harvest Film Festival. Man knows more about movies than anyone alive. Uh, people are locked in for better or for worse for a while. I'm not going out. There's no concerts to go to, no sporting events to go to. So Sergio is going to tell you what movies you should watch when we return. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago LandCremationOptions.com 
Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us to the weekend. Sergio Williams in the studio, Black Harvest Film Festival. He's going to give us some recommendations. Before I do that. Any, nothing. Okay, go ahead. Let me, let me tell you one thing that happened. In Rwanda, there has been one case of the virus. And you know why? Because everybody, the government passed the rule, everybody who's going on a, on a bus or a train or, a, or any large place have to wash their hands. And they have sinks everywhere. Mm. They put up sinks everywhere. So everybody washes their hands. And that one case of Rwanda. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. All right, uh, Sergio. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm a little uh, less. You do uh, just wash your hands on general principle anyway. Well, yeah. You don't need to tell me that. I, I error on that. So we, I was trying to remember the name of the Jack Nicholson movie. Uh, from as good as it gets. Oh. It's good wow, you didn't even finish it. <laughs> I, we were working. talking about it earlier. Yeah, because oh. he's an obsessive germaha, and I. Anyway, I, I share some germaphobe. I share share some of those traits. So I was washing my hands long before it was fashionable. All right, uh, movies to recommend. We were going to do a whole segment of this. We're probably going to come back and do a whole segment of it. Uh, and uh, Danielle, who was going to join us, was unable to make it. So uh, I we're going to postpone and do it another okay. time. But you, just give you, me you, some you, of the, just some of the recommendations. Just to let people know that what what we're going through right now is not a new thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of people are bringing up the movie Contagion. Yeah. Okay? I got some movies that are even older that deal with the same idea. What about Cassandra Crossing? Remember Cassandra Crossing? Uh, vaguely. I saw that back in the day. When was that? When did that 1977. Movie? Oh, God, yeah. With Richard Harris and Sophia Loren and O.J. Simpson. O.J. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Burt Lancaster. Oh, my God. And Martin Sheen and Ava Gardner about this train in which there's this plague on the train and they got to stop the train. So, so they, in Europe, so they, they move the train, they reroute the train to this bridge in Poland that hasn't been used in since the war, which is going to collapse and kill everybody. That's their answer. So when they find this out, they got to stop the train. You know, I saw that. Is it worth watching? Oh yeah. I love it. It's, it's what? kitschy as hell. Yeah. All right, folks, there you go. Okay. You're locked in. Watch okay. that movie. Here's another one. 1965, the Satan buck, John Sturgis's movie. Never saw that movie. I'm writing that about down. a, um, about a plague, uh, a bug that is developed by the U S government. And it's stolen and by a mad millionaire who wants to infect the entire world. And they got to find it and stop him before he lets it out into the world. Does that hold up after all these years? Yeah, it sure does. And that came on 65. Well, Don't forget a drama the strain. Oh, I saw that one, yeah. These Wait. sound like the most random movies. Are people able to find these on Netflix and Amazon? Oh, and they stuff should. Like that? Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. Good, good. Yeah. Check them out. Um, there's a drama, The Strain, of course. Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton. Crichton. There's, and go back to 1950. What about Panic in the Streets? Ilya Kazan's movie. Oh, yeah. Panic. What, what were they panicking about? Because Jack Palance is a carrier of bubonic plague. <laughs> And Richard Wormark's got the guy who's got to track him down and find him before he infects. It takes place in New Orleans. Yeah. Before it affects New Orleans, and then it affects the state, and then the country. And that was 1950. And then, of course, there is the greatest black movie ever made. And that is? Three the Hard Way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where this, listen to this premise. Yeah, you lo- he loves this movie, man. About this. Yeah. Crazy multimillionaire white supremacist who has come up with this plan to create this bug which will kill all the black people in the United States but leave white people <laughs> free, free. Free. Free, right? Yeah, somehow the bug can d- distinguish between one and the other. Right. You see? And it's like, wow, this is like Donald Trump and Stephen Miller meets. <laughs> Flint, Michigan, <laughs> and everything is all yeah. together, and you get Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, and Jim Kelly, who go out to stop this plan. Of course, Jim Brown and Fred Williamson somehow have drifted off into... Fred Williamson, too? Wait, yeah, in Trump heard. land? Yeah, I did not know that. I've heard it, yeah. The Hammer? Yeah, The Hammer has drifted off into... I, I did not know that. Into yeah. Trump land. Yeah. Jim uh, Brown is uh, pretty much out there. I don't know what there. happened to Jim Brown. I don't know what well, happened. He's about 80-something years old. Yeah, he's in his 80s, and, you know, maybe his... Who knows? Oh, he, and by the way, he supported Nixon in 72. These things I remember. I remember Jim Brown. He did? 
I don't remember that. Well, you know, there was a number of black celebrities who supported Nixon in 72. Well, Sammy Davis Jr. did. Sammy Davis, I love Sammy Davis Jr. I love him so much. I forgave him for that. And his support for Nixon, I don't know how strong it was. He hugged Nixon. Do you remember mm-hmm. him hugging yeah, Nixon? Yeah, I remember. And uh, so, yeah, Sammy Davis Jr., Will Chamberlain, the great basketball player, supported Richard Nixon. Um, Jim Brown supported Richard Nixon. It was just like there was rich Black people supported Richard Nixon. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I've tried to find uh, Three the Hard Way. I've never seen it. You've been extolling its virtues. It's got to be on time. Netflix or someplace. Here. You I, can find it I, I'll look again, but the last time I looked, um, I couldn't find it. Uh, I can tell you that um, I, I know that my choice of Vice President candidate was maybe uninspired. No, totally uninspired. I was expecting something a lot more glorious. But I don't see anybody else I, right now at this point. I don't see who he can get. Wait, let's go back to the movies because I okay. want to uh, finish the movies. So uh, I, these are all good deep dives. I'm probably gonna. Oh, you want political movies? Yeah, let's go to political movies. Okay, we have well, an election on Tuesday. Okay, what about Nixon? Great film. Great film. Oliver Stone. Right. What about All the Premature's Advice and Consent? Really great film. Yeah, I saw that one, What too. about, obvious one, what about The Candidate? Robert Redford, right. 1969 or 70. Here's one people tend to forget. What about Distinguished Gentleman? I don't remember that one at all. Eddie Murphy. Oh, oh Eddie Murphy, yeah. He plays a con yeah. man who gets elected yeah. to Congress. Really, look at that movie today. It really holds up. You know what? Even more than ever. I'm writing that down. Because you could probably watch that one on the right I, now. Uh, what's your what about Bullwolf? Oh, uh, Steve Martin and no, 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 Warren Beatty. Oh, Warren Beatty, that's right. Warren Beatty, uh, he he ends up running for Senate. Is that yeah, he's he, running for the Senate, yeah, and, and he decides to tell the truth, right? He's gonna only tell the truth. I remember seeing that movie, it was kind right. of funny, right? Uh, you know, it was okay. Uh, Both. what about let me think, what other political what movies? was the one I was thinking of? Bowfinger, that's the one I was thinking of. The Steve Martin, no, that's right? about that's the movie, nothing, right? right. Yeah, the movie industry. Uh, all right, what is your general thoughts? I was having this conversation with Danielle a little uh, not long ago about uh, Chinatown. All these years later, uh, that was one of the most influential movies to me when I was uh, in my uh, late teens mm-hmm. or early 20s in terms of how cynical it was and its attitude toward how politics uh, works. Yeah, it's a political. You can make the argument it's a political movie. It's very, very political, so, yeah. Right? I mean, all the deci- in, in this movie, all the decisions that are being made uh, supposedly in the public interest in terms of where uh, reservoirs are built or dams are built or where water goes, there's, they're, they're acting as though they're in the public interest, but in reality, there's private interests that will benefit from them, mm-hmm. and it's those private interests that are controlling the public decisions. Or like Lincoln Yards. Yes. <laughs> Some things never change, Sergio. And so... When I saw that movie way back when, it had a big impact on me, but I was too young to really understand it, and as time has gone on, I've become to appreciate it more and more how on target it is. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I struggle with this. It's Roman Polanski's movie, and Roman Polanski... <laughs> you know what? I made a statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, a it's a rapist. We, we, we talk about this all the time. Um, if you are going to restrict yourself to watching same movies made with made by people or with people who have done really objectionable things mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't see any movies look at charlie chaplin you look at charlie chaplin's private life mm-hmm. which was i mean right now charlie chaplin would probably be in prison it was scandalous mm-hmm. scandalous I mean, what he did in his life. Yet, I think last week I was looking at Martin Times. Why? Because it's a great film. Uh, will I stop watching Miramax movies? Ones that I like? Uh, probably still will, even though... Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein was absolute scum. If you read what he did, it mm. was really sickening. Right? I, I, I have to tell you this. I agree with you that... Great movies are great movies, and you, as best you can, mm-hmm. you got to put aside uh, the the people who did them. Same thing with great books. Uh, and I, when I see Miramax uh, on a screen of a movie, it's it's hard at that moment because I'm like, 
I can't believe I like this movie so much. Harvey Weinstein had something to do with it. I'm just going to have to forget that and move on. And uh, so that's, what movie did I just see where I saw Mer- Oh, it was uh, some Quentin Tarantino movie where you see Miramax. I think, was it uh, Jackie Brown, which I've well, seen? Well, yeah, that's it. Not, 552, yeah. Early, uh, most of the early pictures were from Miramax. I think. Uh, a co-produced by Miramax. Yeah. Uh, a Django may have been the first one that's not Miramax. I can't remember offhand. I think Miramax has some involvement. It's, all right. Well, okay. They did it definitely with um, Inglorious Bastards. It was definitely co-produced by Miramax. Okay. So these are. Two movies that I've watched many times. I enjoy them. Jackie Brown's one of my favorite movies of all time. So I got to swallow it. You know, I was like, do I just drop this and pretend I didn't like it? I mean, that's fake, phony too, you know? So, you know, or look at the thing with Woody Allen. You know, you heard the story about uh, he's going to come up with his autobiography yeah. called Apropos About Nothing. Yeah. And uh, the publishing company dropped it mm-hmm. because people there protested. My answer to that is it was ridiculous to ban the book. This is censorship. You don't like him, don't read the book. Don't buy it. It's that simple. Now, the book actually is still going to be published in the United States. Who's going to publish it? I missed uh, this part There's of a it. French publisher that's going to publish it in France, and they have some sort of American subsidiary. It's a small publishing group. They're going to, they're going to release the book next month mm-hmm. in the United States. Uh, but my answer is that, look, you don't have to read the book. You know what he's going to do in it. He's probably going to justify everything he's done. You know that going in. So my answer is that um, you don't like him, don't read the book. Mm-hmm. Simply don't yeah. read the book. Uh, all right. And finally, we're going to close with this. Movies that will make you laugh. Okay. You forced me into this. One of the funniest, here we go, talking about will you watch a movie with somebody in it, okay? One of the funniest movies ever made to me. Kills me over time is let's do it again. Let's do it again. That movie cracks me up every single time. Starring Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby. My God, how did I miss that one? When did that come out? Came out seventy four. It was like the follow up to Uptown, uh, Uptown Saturday Night. I saw wheelhouse. that one. Yeah, yeah, it is my wheelhouse. I saw the first one, but not the second one. Oh, you missed the second one. Is, it's, is the second one actually better than the first one? Oh yeah, I think it is. I think it's funny. All right, here we it's go. It's not a sequel. It's a follow up. It's yeah. a, they, they play kind of similar characters, but it's a completely different story. Um, but Bill Cosby is in it. You know. Yeah, no, I struggle with that one big time because. I can't rewrite history, Sergio. When I was in junior high, I thought mm-hmm. he was right there. I loved all the kids would be watching those Bill Cosby specials, and he had the cartoons, and he he was on I Spy. And I'm not going to rewrite history. No, I mean, me personally, you know. I, I was watching, I was listening to a Dolomite. You know? oh. I, was, I, I was listening to Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah, well, okay, but that was after I'm talking about. I know I did not literally know you back then, but mm-hmm. I can. Bet you anything, back in about 1968 or 69, young Sergio Mims was a Bill Cosby fan. You yeah. did not discover Dolomite. No, no, like that's my, true. Dear, my I was a Bill 70- Cosby. Yeah. I saw Bill Cosby, the funny guy I went. And yeah. then I heard Rudy Ray Moore. Then I heard Red Fox Party Records. Then I heard Blowfly. Then I said, wait a minute, there's a whole subgenre of black comics here, which... I gravitate to, yeah. you know, and so I, and then Richard Pryor came, and then when Richard Pryor found his voice, yeah, and I said, okay, there's no going back. By the way, who just quoted Richard Pryor? Uh, it was very funny. Uh, he was talking about the halls of justice, and he goes, in the halls of justice, if you ever noticed, it's just it's, us. Yeah, right, that's uh, the Richard Pryor line, yeah, just Richard us. Pryor, right. All right, uh, we've run out of time. Sergio Mims is his name, a Black Harvest Film Festival uh, co-founder every August, the greatest film festival in the city of Chicago, my humble opinion. Uh, Which, I, as, as of today, will still be going on. Well, we'll see what the world looks like in June, but yeah, uh, I, hoped, I hope very much. Uh, it will be there in August. I also want to thank Anidia Carranza, our guest uh, earlier in the day, and Ramana Hussein, and of course, the man, the myth, the legend, who makes it all happen. And as Sergio, Sergio can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. We'll see you somehow or other on Tuesday, everybody. 
And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Yeah, we're back on YouTube, guys. We were on Facebook Live yesterday. Still not sure what happened, but hey, we're back. And uh, check out this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. We got a lot in store for you here. And be safe, people. Too much, too much in the weeds here. I, I want to go back. You know, I want to go. One second, please. I just want to go back to the issue that we started with. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian, or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, "What is happy birthday in German?" Or, "How do you say hello in Japanese?" Do you want to know how to say "I love you" in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.